Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, hosted by Richardson Wealth, a podcast dedicated to helping Canadians with your total financial picture. Our approach is unique. We examine wealth through a multidimensional lens in order to offer you integrated strategies to grow and preserve the legacy you've worked so hard to build. I'm Sarah Widmeyer, Director of Wealth Strategies at Richardson Wealth, and this week we're discussing some of the challenges faced by adult children with aging parents and some of the strategies that you can use to help them. Today, I'm very lucky to be joined by Matt Delvecchio, who is a certified professional consultant on aging, a life transition specialist, and he is owner of Lianus Senior Transition Support. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Oh, glad to have you. So, Matt, for those of us lucky enough to have parents well into their older years, we're often faced with a delicate balancing act. I'm living that balancing act right now. Um, The need to be helpful without being overbearing or overprotective of them, because God knows they don't want that. And knowing that parents' fears and learning why they refuse help is fundamental to developing solutions that work for the parent and yourself as the caregiver. Matt, what are some of the signs that you've seen of a parent in need of making a transition to a new home? Yeah, and and I think you hit uh, the word with delicate. It is delicate. You want what's best for your parents, mom and or dad. Um, Usually you could see things before they can. Uh, One, they may not see it themselves. Or two, there's probably a little denial and resistance. No one likes to age. And so uh, we do run into these delicate conversations. However, as adult children, um, it's almost role reversal. We uh, we need to look out for our parents. And so we have, uh, there's four warning signs that we always look out for. One starting with physical. For example, um, if there are some mobility issues and you have to navigate stairs and stairs are becoming a problem. It's probably the number one issue in, in home yeah. living, trying to navigate the stairs, particularly particularly if there's a cane or a, or a walker, and uh, bathrooms, bathtubs, showers is yeah. always a big concern, getting yeah. in and out, increasing risk of slips and falls. So be uh, aware of some of the physical uh, warning signs. We're going to switch gears a little bit to cognitive Uh, warning signs. This is even more delicate because um, with cognitive decline, it's not like a broken hip and you're trying to recover. Cognitive decline usually happens over a period of time. It could be quick, it could be long. But if you're starting to see things like mom or dad forgot to pay a bill, um, we've even had situations where they've left the oven on uh, mistakenly. Take a look in their fridge or in their cupboard if there's been expired food. Uh, These are little signs um, that there may be some cognitive decline. Um, Then it starts to really ramp up if we get into situations where there's risk of wandering, flight risk, we would call them, and and, uh, um, this is heavier cognitive decline. So you need to be on the lookout for that. Another big warning sign is caregiver stress. Now, Mm. caregiver stress could be the spouse, taking care of a husband or wife, or it may be now the adult child that's constantly running back from their home to mom or dad's home, and it just starts to become too much. Caregiver stress is a a big issue. And one of the other ones is loneliness. Mm. There may have been a death of a spouse. Um, Mom may be alone. I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm cooking fine. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, But over time, loneliness does start to add up. And loneliness affects uh, cognitive and physical ability. So you need to be aware of that as well. Mm. It, it's, uh, as you know, um, it's all ringing very true. Um, my own personal situation, I had a, a failing both parents 
um, a father with physical needs, and uh, my mom's starting to suffer from cognitive uh, issues. What what I found, and and my brother and I have found very challenging, is trying them, trying to get them to understand that they need help, that there's the requirement for a change. Um, that that has been the biggest challenge I think that we have faced because you can put, you know, you can put a stair lift in the house. You can um, you can make sure that mom's getting out and seeing friends for bridge or whatnot. But getting them to understand that they may need some more help or now's the time to start thinking about a transition, we have found incredibly difficult. Yeah, it's it's probably the number one issue. It's it's having those tough conversations because they're not comfortable conversations, but it's very clear to you that something needs to be done. <clears throat> so starting a conversation is always best. Try to be as proactive as possible, even before um, you do see decline. Have just open conversations at the at the dinner table. Um, try not to be reactive. Uh, about thirty percent of my business is reactive. So getting a panicked call from a daughter or son that mom or dad's in the hospital, and the doctor said. They can't go back home. You need to find something now. We want to try to avoid those situations as much as possible. So keep the lines of communication as open, as honest, as transparent as possible, despite it being difficult conversations. And also look for trigger events that could start conversations. I'll give you a couple of examples. So, um, we talked about the bathroom mm-hmm. and slips and falls. We've run into situations where mom and dad are hiding slips and falls because they know deep down that... Oh, you know, I need to be careful here. But if there's an incident of a slip and fall, God forbid they had to go in an ambulance into a hospital, that's a trigger event to start a conversation. You know, I, I'm going to interrupt you there because what you just said rings so true with what we've dealt with with mom and dad. They have been covering up for one another. And it's amazing how they are. Um, oh, your mom's fine. She's just, you know, she's just forgotten a word. Uh, oh, your dad's fine. He can get up the stairs. He cleaned the bathroom today. Um, it's it's amazing how much they do cover and compensate for one another. It, it is amazing. And quite frankly, it's a natural human nature reaction. Yeah. We're going to be like that too, Sarah. We're going <laughs> to, you know, but the reality is this is where adult children have to be that proactive role. So these trigger events are, are important. Um, another one we mentioned, forgetting to pay bills. You might have seen a, a, a credit card bill. It hasn't been paid for two months. What's going on? They're forgetting a doctor's appointment. Yeah. These are little trigger events. Not eating well is, is one. And uh, as mentioned, you know, take a look in the fridge and the cupboard and, and they'll always say they're eating well. You know, um, and next thing you know, you're you're starting to bring more meals over. That's uh, one, and a popular trigger event, like we call it, would be uh, a neighbor or a family friend actually transitioned already. Mm, interesting. And they uh, tend to sometimes rely a little bit more on third party people, like friends, families, doctors, more than their children. And so look for those trigger events. Maybe you could use those situations. Hey, Sue down the street went into a senior living community and she's actually loving it. And, and that's a communication starter. License, taking away the license is another yeah. trigger event. Very, very tough. But um, another reason to have some conversations. Geez, you're in a suburb, you're in a home. It's getting a lot more difficult to get around. And that would uh, at least help saying, Mom, maybe there are alternatives for you. You know, it's interesting. What I have found with my mom is that um, she has uh, she has vilified retirement living. 
Um, you know, oh, you're not going to put me there. You're not going to sell the house. You're not going to put me there. People go there to die, um, which is really interesting. I, I don't know where she got that idea. But um, as, as you know, we lost, we lost my dad in May. And so mom is now alone. And you would think that this would be a trigger event. <clears throat> and she would be interested in starting to look at retirement homes. Um, but, but no. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that uh, the cat can come. Um, you know, it's not just going to be one room and a, and a bathroom. You know, there are apartments available. There are kitchens. There are, um, and lots of healthy, active, and participating older adults go into these retirement homes. It's just not for, you know, the aged and, as my mom would say, you know, going there to die. Um, so how do you how do you open up that door? How do you start to introduce the whole concept of retirement living? I mean, honestly, Matt, I'd go there right now. Mm -hmm. I think it sounds pretty darn good. You know, you've got a pool, you've got a spa, you've got uh, someone to walk the dog if you want. It yeah. Sounds glorious. It, it, and, and the feelings of mom are uh, very natural again. Why? There's a stigma about uh, residences, retirement homes, people born in their 20s, 30s, even 40s, they think of retirement homes as nursing homes. Mm -hmm. It's just very old people in wheelchairs staring yeah. out a window. The senior living communities, and, and even we purposely use some wording like this as opposed to retirement homes just to uh, get away from that stigma, that industry is absolutely booming. The challenge now is how do we convince and show mom that it's not so bad. Uh, I was on a tour just last week with a 93-year-old, and she walked out saying, not for me, only old people live here. And so, you know, good on her. God you know, bless she's, her. God bless her is right, you know. She's a survivor, but it's, it's the stigma. So um, what we try to do, and very often when we're talking with adult children, we have adult children. We sit down with them first, even before mom and dad, to educate the adult children, about what's out there now. So, and like you said, some of them are unbelievable. What's good about it, it's a very competitive industry. They're popping up. Uh, retirement residences left and right. Inventory is going up. They're trying to fight for clients' business. As a result, services are getting better. Rooms are getting fancier. More amenities. Who's going to win? It's going to be the client. But from a mom perspective, they still have that visual of that nursing home. So we'll always try to uh, take the children on a few tours so they could see what it's all about because you know mom and dad best. Yeah. From there, you could probably narrow it down to a couple that you'd have confidence to showing mom. So what, what to, to look for? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, we don't want to get carried away with all the fancy bells and whistles. That's important. Start with care requirements for mom and or dad. Not just today but for tomorrow. Uh, and that's important. You know, there are independent living retirement residences, but as soon as you need some care or assisted living, they ask you to leave. So if you have a situation where you know care is going to be required in a year or two or three years, you don't want mom or dad moving again. So make sure they have the proper care requirements for today and the future. Um, culture and atmosphere are two key factors. Make sure they can fit in to that environment. Very often they'll say, geez, the, hey, I met a neighbor or I met a friend. They'll fit in. Take advantage of complimentary meals. Usually there's a complimentary lunch for the family. So two things happen there. You'll be able to test the food 
Uh, that's very important. Right. But two, you're going to see the environment that they're in. They're going to see the people coming for lunch or supper. And that's a good way of seeing, yeah, I, I see myself in this type of environment. Uh, meals are important. You mentioned uh, many retirement residences have all meals included, but there are families and couples that say, I still want to cook my meal. Maybe I'll go for supper, but you know, lunch and breakfast, I'm not going to get up at eight in the morning. I don't want to dress and change. I want to do my own breakfast or brunch on my own. Make sure there's a little kitchenette or a full kitchen. You want to look into that. And geography is important. Not necessarily to be closer to the kids. Remember, mom or dad are there 24-7. The kids aren't there 24-7. So geography is important. And probably the biggest one, we all talk about budget. Can we afford it? And that's probably the number one question we get all the time. Most of the time, people think they can't afford senior retirement community. They hear about rents and how can I afford this? This is where the value of a financial advisor comes into play, where they could do financial projections, do it for one year, five years, 20 years. So often people think they're going to run out of money. But a financial advisor can come into play and say, you know what, you're good for this amount of years and explain things like, you know what, you realize you have no more property taxes to pay. There's no more house home improvements to pay. Utilities are no longer paid. So it becomes a little bit more reasonable. So bring in someone third party that can help explain that, you know, you're going to be okay and not to worry that you're going to run out of money. So on that point, Matt, do you have any idea? I'm sure you do. Can you share with us um, kind of the range of what a monthly expense might be uh, in terms of retirement living. Is it is it 2000 a month? Is it 1000 a month? I know it can vary depending on what you want, but what would be a good estimate for an average, comfortable retirement living experience? Yeah, and um, it, I get that question all the time, and it really does vary. And I don't want to try to give a gray answer, but unfortunately the answer is a little gray, and I'll explain why. What drives up the cost in retirement living? First and foremost, the size of the apartment or the suite. Mm-hmm. Are you in a two-bedroom? Are you in a one-bedroom? Or maybe you just need um, a little studio where I don't need it. Uh, do you want meals? Do I have to build in three meals a day? If you do, obviously, it's going to be more expensive. Then the others, like utilities, those are usually included. But the two biggies is the size of the apartment the meals, and of course, the third one being care. Do you need any care requirements? Do you need assistance with bathing? Maybe at some assisted living, you might need some assistance with dressing. That's labor intensive. It's going to drive up the cost. So to go back to your original question, you can get into independent living with the kitchen, cooking your own meals, probably in the range of the low twos, I would say. And of course, it varies across the country, Um, you know, GTA being more expensive than, and Vancouver more expensive because of real estate. Um, But once you start adding meals, typically it's three to $500 for a meal per month. Um, You add on three meals, then all of a sudden you've just added 12 to $1,500 to your monthly expense. And now you're up in the three and $4,000 range add care, and then you can start to go up. So it can add up. That's why it's important to sit down. By the way, when you go on tours of retirement communities, they will sit down with you and give you an exact quote with anything a la carte or all in based on your needs. So you can go back with your family, with your financial advisor to say, okay, 
This is what it's going to cost over a period of time. We have a lot of families, though, especially in uh, uh, in the big cities where their home value has appreciated so much over the 20, 30, 40 years. That's a big asset now that they can tap into. And then you start to realize, I could live a pretty good life in a senior community tapping into that asset that's probably been paid for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting. I've, I've been in this industry for, for a few a few years now. Um, and uh, I've becoming increasingly focused and interested in the connection between health and wealth. And, um, you know, having our health in our older years is, is so critical. But one of the really interesting things is, particularly with women, is not how much money I have. It's what the money can do for me. And I'm living it in technicolor with my mom right now because, you know, I can add up the zeros and show her the amount of money that she has, but she has a real primal fear about running out of her money. And, and it, it's, you know, mom and dad really, I'm ashamed to say it's, it's a shoemaker's kids. Uh, mom and dad didn't have a financial plan. They didn't do that. So now as she is facing, um, uh, you know, life alone right now without dad. They were married 60 years. Uh, she She's lost her primary helper in making decisions. Um, so my brother and I have become that. Um, you know, we're getting five, six phone calls a day, and usually it's about money. And uh, the, the equation for, for women in particular of being able to relate the pile of money to what it can do for me in my declining years is so critical. And I think as financial advisors, if there's one thing that we can do really well that clients need as they age, not when they're old, but as they're aging, to understand the cost of all of these things and how to plan for that so that they're rest assured while their cognitive abilities are still really, really strong, that that you lay the foundation of, I'm okay, and I'm going to be okay. Because that's what we're trying to do now with mom, who unfortunately does have cognitive decline. And it, it's become emotional. It's really emotional for her, the money and this primal fear that she's going to run out. And she won't run out unless she lives in the Taj Mahal for the next 32 years, which she won't. Um, she's going to be fine, but it but it doesn't, it doesn't resonate. She's, she's not comprehending it in a in a primal primal way yeah and and two issues very common very common what you're talking about there's two issues there one mom's experiencing cognitive decline so it, it may be difficult to reason in listening to you um so that's specific to cognitive decline but it's actually there's a much bigger uh, umbrella, if you will, in terms of parents not wanting to spend their money. Yeah. If uh, particularly for women, maybe their, their husband has passed away. Let's face it again, though, I don't know when your, your mom was born, 20s, 30s, 40s, if it's in that era, I'm assuming. Yeah, 30s. Yes, 30s. Yeah, 30s. Uh, let's face it. The man was usually responsible for finances. So no fault of your mom. It's just the reality of, of growing up in the 30s and 40s and came coming from nothing. You know, you're talking Great exactly. Depression, Coming from World nothing. War. They're a generation of savers. They don't want to spend their money even if they have it. Number one issue we deal with with adult children. So, again, open communication. Try to have those conversations earlier. Um, and it's role reversal, right? And, and sometimes we use the line, you know, Mom, you've always wanted what's best for me. You want to leave an inheritance. We get it. 
But if you truly want what's best for me, mom, take care of yourself. It's okay to spend the money on yourself. Very difficult conversation because they don't spend on themselves. And it's time that you have to give them the opportunity to say, yes, you know what? Maybe I do deserve a little bit to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And then if we start talking about safety, security, and some of the warning signs we've added to it, let them know it's okay to spend their money. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it is it is so true what, what you're saying it's uh, um, you know one of one of the other things we're noticing is the large amount of money that mom has in cash so it's not invested and and the cash Matt I swear to God if she moves tomorrow we have to go through that house for a month looking underneath rugs underneath inside of Bibles uh, behind in an old um, ice cream tub at the back of a cupboard. Sorry, mom, I'm telling your hiding place. Um, but money is everywhere in that house. And, and it's, it's amazing. The, the sense of um, not trusting banks and investments because I'll lose my money and I have to have the cash on hand and I can't spend the cash on hand. And that's it. It's, it's, it's the trust. Uh, Western Europeans, Del Vecchio, the Italians, when, yeah. when Papa Joe and Nana Susie passed away, <laughs> same thing, Sarah. We were finding cash hidden away, and it's because they didn't trust the financial institutions. You know, it's that generation. But you're right. It's it's um, it's <laughs> Downsizing is a big part of what we right. do as well. You can't believe some of the surprises we see when we're downsizing. So Matt, I want to thank you for the conversation today. It um, it's been very helpful for me. Uh, again, as you know, I've I've been living the sandwich generation. I have two teenage daughters at home, and and parents um, now sadly only one parent, but but have been juggling you know two parents who probably should have downsized and transitioned years ago. Uh, it certainly would have made it a lot easier for us now with mom. And, and frankly, it's not about us. It's about mom. It would have made it tremendously more easy and, and, and I think comforting. And um, from a security perspective, she would, she would have been resting a lot more easily sooner if we transitioned them a couple of years ago. So uh, I want to say um, thank you. Thank you for the conversation. Any last thoughts that you'd like to share with us? You know, first of all, thank you for having me and, and uh, very welcome for being here. And um, what I would say to you, Sarah, as I say to a lot of our clients, um, you can't beat yourself up. Uh, people always look back. I should have started earlier. Um, I should have done this. Almost everyone says that. Those are still very difficult conversations to have with your parents. So all we can suggest is just try to get those conversation started sooner rather than later. Be proactive. Persistence. Persistence is key. So I'd like to thank our special guest, Matt Del Vecchio, for joining us and lending his expertise on this important topic. If you'd like to learn more about how we at Richardson Wealth can help you navigate this life transition, you can visit our website. Remember to subscribe to Conversations on Wealth wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn for a broad range of information on wealth strategies.